This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. tonight and we're continuing on go ahead and go over to Matthew chapter 5 because that's where we've been coming from the last few months so we're uh, continuing on uh, teaching on the Sermon of the Mount on the Mount and right now we're focusing on the Beatitudes and I'm focusing on uh, verses 10 through 11 so this is the fourth part of the teaching this is probably going to be the last part for me Um, the expectation of righteousness so we've been looking at um, this portion here, the Beatitudes, and we've been seeing some things. We're seeing that Jesus is teaching here. We're seeing that Jesus is teaching to a multitude of people. And we see that he's saying these things to these people at that time, but as we read these things, we realize that he's speaking to us as well. And as we hear that, we realize, and we must always remember that when the Word of God is taught, when God speaks to us, that We have to hear it. We have to immediately put it in action. We have to understand it. We have to trust it. We have to respond to it and obey it. It's not good enough, like I was saying earlier, right before the confession, it's not good enough just to do time. It's not good enough just to come in and say, well, I now, since we can't come to a physical building, I live stream the message. I looked at it. I took notes. I looked at it again. It doesn't matter how many times you look at it, how many read it, how many times you read it, how many notes you take if you don't obey it and put it into practice in your life. So that's the thing that's the thing that stands out to me as I look at this. As I look at the Sermon on the Mount, as we look at the Beatitudes, if you look at it, it goes back to salvation. But what it is showing you is what salvation produces in your life. It's not good enough to say, I am saved. You have to live saved. Salvation produces something in your life that is evident. What you were before is not what you are now. What you are now is not what you're going to be. And there's a progression. There's a progression in the things of God. And and we see that through this in the Beatitudes. So let's go ahead and let's just read Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we've been looking at this, this this passage of scripture here, and throughout the teaching we've been talking about blessed. We've been saying that we are blessed, and what blessed means, it means fortunate, it's happy, it's well off, it's um, satisfied, well off in the highest level. It's spiritually prosperous, and we realize that when we are in Christ, we are blessed. So I said we're going to see three things here. 
We're going to look at the state and the condition of the believer, the circumstances and situations that the believer can expect, and the expected character and behavior of the believer. So that first thing there, the state and condition of the believer, the state and the condition of the believer is that we're blessed. There may be things that come up in your life that may not make you feel blessed, but that doesn't change the condition because you are blessed by God, not by your temporary circumstances. So in this, in verse 10, we were looking at it, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And we were looking at persecution, and we were saying, well, persecution, that's really not something that seems good. You know, it, it, we looked at the definition, and we talked about how it was harassment. It's intimidation. And it says, wait a minute, believers are going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. But guess what? That doesn't change you being blessed. Because you're blessed by God, not by this world. So our security and our peace and our comfort, comfort come from God, even though there may be circumstances that are uncomfortable for us. We looked at the word persecution and we said that it's a clash, it's a result of a clash between two irreconcilable value systems. The reason I bring that out is because the world is never going to be godly. And God is never going to be worldly. So that's a clash. Nothing, those two, they're always going to rub each other the wrong way. They're never going to meet. It's like oil and water. They're never going to mix. Now, as a believer, we'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake, but there's a difference between being persecuted for righteousness' sake and being persecuted for evil's sake, for evil doing. We don't, as believers, we don't want to be persecuted for doing things that are wrong. Now, persecution can come for righteousness sake, but it can also come for any other thing. You know, if you are reaping what you've sown, you did something criminally wrong or socially wrong, then you are going to reap those benefits. And that is not, well, not necessarily benefits, but the bad things that come with it. And that is not being persecuted for righteousness sake. So if you go out and steal something, you can't say, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake when you go to jail or you have to pay that fine or whatever you have to do. No, you are reaping what you sown. You stole something, so now you have to recompense what you, sow, what you stole. As believers, we don't have to go out and try to be persecuted. You know, So we don't have to try to make these inflammatory remarks and put all this stuff out there and be hateful and just be mean to people. Now, now I can be persecuted and I'm righteous. No. Just you being righteous will bring persecution. So we looked at the word persecution and we saw that it was description of harsh treatment. It's harassment and suffering which people and groups of people inflict on other people for being different in their faith, their worldview, their culture, or their race. And persecution, persecution seeks to intimidate, silence, punish, or even to kill people. As believers, it's so important that we understand this. As believers, you are not supposed to persecute somebody. You're not supposed to persecute someone because they are in sin. You may see that they are, li- they, that they are not born again. And guess what? You weren't before you were born again. You know, we all were there. But you don't persecute a person because of, of where they are. Believers, we live and we preach the gospel. Earlier I said it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. So when you think of what persecution is, it seeks to intimidate, silence, punish, or even kill people. That's not what a believer does. So there are a lot of things that we see wrong 
There are a lot of things. I was thinking about this climate that we're in right now, the, the things that are going on. And there are a lot of things that are wrong that people are trying to call right. But we don't persecute people. We live the gospel. We preach the gospel. We pray. We aren't going to seek to intimidate people because they are ungodly. What we're going to do is we're going to preach. We're going to live the way God tells us to live. So we looked at the types of persecution. And we saw that there's persecution by action. That is um, doing things. That could be imprisonment, fine, beating people, punishment by death, just separating people from your company, not wanting to be around them. Then we saw persecution of the tongue. That's speaking different words to persecute someone, bullying, trying to harass someone's character. And then we looked at persecution of the heart, and we realized that that's an inward persecution. And that inward persecution starts long before persecution of the tongue or in word or in action. That's in your heart, in your mind, you are having issues with somebody. You um, are allowing your thoughts to harass this person or people because they're walking with God. And once again, that starts, what's in your heart is going to work itself out. So we always have to check our thoughts. We have to check the things going on in our heart so that we don't find ourselves persecuting other people because of what they're doing. We don't want to be like Cain. We looked at Cain and we saw that Cain got upset with his brother because his brother's offering to God was accepted and his wasn't. So instead of Cain going in and fixing what was wrong with his stuff, even though God came to him and said, hey, if you do right, it'll all be good. Cain was like, I don't want to. I want to I persecute my brother. I'm going to murder my brother because he did what was right. We don't want to do that. We don't want to, and we can murder each other in our words. You don't necessarily have to physically kill somebody, but there are things you could say to, to bring somebody down because they're walking with Christ. That's persecution. We don't want to do that. That's not who we are. And we realize as believers, persecution is going to come to us. But the persecution comes to distract you, to keep you from being fruitful and productive in the kingdom. So when the persecution comes, we don't get caught up with what men can do to us in this temporary state. What we do is we stay focused on the work that we're doing. We continue in what we're doing. We don't stop because persecution comes. We continue on in what God has called us to do. And we realize in that we're being persecuted for righteousness sake. So it's very important that we understand what righteousness is. First of all, righteousness is defined by God. Righteousness is not man's standard and it can't be defined by man. Our righteousness is not accepted by God. God accepts his righteousness. And the way to get God's righteousness, true and genuine righteousness, comes through faith in Christ. So when I have faith in Christ and what he's done, I let go of those things that I thought I could do that were righteous. Like, I was trying to make sure, I I really want to drive this home. So you have to think think about it like, so before you were saved, let's say before you were saved, um, oh, here we go. Before you were saved, you gave to different charities. You gave to the poor. That's a good thing. And you say, well, that makes me right. Then you got saved, and now there, you may still give to the poor, but you give to the poor out of a different heart. So you may do things that are considered right before you're saved, but your heart is not right. So it's like drinking out of a dirty glass. You may, so if you're thirsty and you put water in that dirty glass, you're still consuming something that's dirty. 
What we were before we were saved was we were unfit. We were undone. So any works that we did were unfit and undone. Once we are saved, guess what? We have a new heart. We, we can renew our mind. We're in a different place. God moves us. Remember we talked about it. We're translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into his dear son. So now we produce righteous works out of righteousness because we have been made righteous through Christ. So that, that is, we're gonna, I'm going to keep talking about this because I want you to understand it because I know it, I'm saying that you can't make yourself righteous, but you need to produce righteous works. No, you can't make yourself righteous. You have to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Once you do that, what comes out of you, the things you do, will produce our righteous works. Because now you're righteous because you're in Christ. So what I do is I let go of what I think I can do. I let go of trying to make myself right. Because I can't do that. What I do is I say, I can be made right through Christ. And then I let him lead me and I let him guide me. And then because I'm in him, I can produce righteous works. And we're going to get into this a little later on tonight. But I just want to make sure you have have clarity of this. So we talked about righteousness. And we said that in righteousness, it is you, you obtain righteousness, but it's a consistent process. It's not something we get and we just say, okay, I'm good, I'm stay right here. You continue on. You continue to press. Righteousness is freely given by God to men, and it is a declaration of God. It's a gift of God. It's an act of Christ. So you see, really, righteousness, all of that is through God and Christ. We're not, we're, we're accepting the gift. So once we do that, we continue in that process of becoming righteous and righteous, and we steadfastly and vigorously pursue righteousness. Because God, he's declared us righteous through the work of Christ. So he's declared us righteous. He said, here's the declaration, you are righteous. And that is through Christ, not of the works of yourself. Then he's freely given us righteousness. So he's put righteousness on our account. Remember, we, we looked at Abraham. And he's put righteousness on our account through the work of Christ. He's restored the fellowship that we had in the Garden of Eden through, um, by Christ, by restoring the image of God in us. And he's producing, providing the indwelling of the Spirit who produces righteousness in mankind. So all of this is the work of God through Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what happens is we take those things. You know, a lot of times we get really excited when we hear, oh, we've been declared righteous. Righteousness has been put on our account. Oh, we have fellowship with God. But then when we realize, wait, there's some things that we're supposed to produce because righteousness is in us. Then we're like, wait a minute. We want to stop right there. And you're like, what? But all of that, all of that goes together. You can't separate it. If you have been declared righteous, if righteousness has been imputed on your account, if you have a fellowship has been restored with God, guess what? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, righteousness is going to be produced. All these things go together. They can't be separated. So righteousness is available to everyone, but it's based on your response. So we looked at the definition of righteousness, and we said it's a covenantal reciprocal action between God and man. It's based on the character of God, the work of Christ, and the enabling of the Holy Spirit, to, we, to which each individual 
must personally and continually respond appropriately. So you can see righteousness is based on the character of God, the work of Christ, and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. But every individual must respond for themselves, and they must respond appropriately. So salvation produces righteousness. If you are saved, you can you have righteousness. The only reason you're not producing righteousness is because you're not responding appropriately. So what we have to do is God has already done his part. God's done what he's going to do. So what we need to do is we need to agree with the word. We need to obey the word. We need to submit to his authority, and then we can do what he's called us to do. Because what happens is righteousness, it starts on the inside. You know, just think of the seed. We talked about the seed of the word and how, um, was it persecution? If you let persecution, it'll dry it up and you won't produce fruit. But what happens is righteousness starts on the inside. If you do what you're supposed to do, you agree with the word, you obey, and you submit, guess what? It's going to work itself out, and you're going to produce the fruit that's necessary. And that way, you know what, not only now are you counted righteous, but you are righteous. So because the righteousness is is seen in you. So as we looked at this, we also talked about the kingdom of heaven. And we said the kingdom of heaven is marked by God's dominion. God has rule and governance. So when we look at the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, we realize that there is a kingdom now and a kingdom to come. So we're in the kingdom now, but this is not the fulfillment of the kingdom. There's more to come. So we live here in the kingdom a certain way now, but there's more to come. There's a destination that we're getting to. It's where we're going. So it's where we are. It's a present reality, but the fulfillment of it comes in the future. As believers, we're preparing and we're waiting for that time. So the kingdom of heaven is the reign of God in the hearts of men who freely submitted themselves to God. Being in the kingdom of God means that I'm submitting and conforming to him. It means that I am letting go. He has dominion over my life. He has governance over my life. So when you think about dominion, that means that what what he says goes. He governs your life. So it's his standard. It's his. It's what he says that is governing your life. So that's being in the kingdom of God. As believers, we have a new citizenship. We were translated out of the kingdom of darkness. We were uh, out of the kingdom into the kingdom of his dear son. So now we're in a new kingdom. We don't have a dual citizenship. It doesn't mean if I don't like what the kingdom of God, if I don't like what I'm supposed to do, I can jump back in the kingdom of the world. No, that's not the way it is. We are citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom. We don't, we're not where we used to be. We are out of that. So we've been taken out of darkness into light. We can't say that, like I said, we can't say that, oh, this is too strict. This lifestyle, I don't want to be meek. I don't want to hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. I just want to do what I want to do. That's not, that's not being in the kingdom of God. The, the way it's straight, it's narrow. We talked about that. You, you go in and uh, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. He has dominion. He has governance. What he says goes. He's the creator. We keep talking about this. Why do you keep questioning God like that? He's the creator. You don't. You got to create your own universe if you don't like it. So, as believers, 
we're ruled, we're here on this earth, but we're ruled by the standards of God. Just like we were talking about last week, the embassy. You know, you can run in, and once you're there, you're under that country's rule. That's what we are here as believers. We may be in this location on this earth, but our standards are governed by the things of God. We're not looking for any validation or reward from this world. It's so important that we understand that. And the sooner you understand it, the better. You know, I think about, um, like, next gen. I think about youth with conviction. You ha- it's, it's very important that you start to realize that your validation comes from God. The world, this world standard, the way things are, things change. What, what, it, what is beautiful today will be unattractive tomorrow. What is acceptable today will be unacceptable tomorrow. What, what everyone likes, what, you know, it, it is always changing. The standard is always changing. Things that used to be worth a lot are worth nothing now. If you stick with the world, you will be up and down, up and down. We don't get our validation from the world. We get our validation from Christ. And you know, I'm thinking about the song. He first loved us. Even everything he knew, that we, he knew it before we were born, he knew what we were going to do. He knew the good things that we thought we were going to do, in other words, we thought. But he also knew the things that aren't so good, the things that we try to hide, those thoughts, um, those attitudes that maybe we have and nobody else has seen. And guess what? He loved us anyway. He loved us, and he sent his son to save us. So we don't sit up thinking about what the world has to offer us. That's not where our reward is. That's not where our validation is. Who we are is, we're who we are because we're in Christ. And that's it. So we believe in the finished work of Christ. So we believe that sin and death no longer reign because he has the victory. We we believe that. That's, That's what we believe. It's part of the gospel. That's what we believe. We believe that we're going to see him. We're waiting on that fulfillment. Now, in that belief, I'm banking on it. I am governing my life. I am making decisions based on that belief. So while I'm waiting, I live according to what I believe. So if sin and death don't have victory, and they long, no longer reign because Christ has defeated sin and death. So guess what? Sin and death don't reign in my life. So when the opportunity comes, you know, sin brings death. So when the opportunity comes for me to sin, I say, wait a minute, sin and death don't reign. I move away from that. I'm governed by the kingdom, his standards. We have a hope, and because we have that hope, we live a different way. We don't have to get get all caught up in what's going on. So when things come up in our lives, you know, it says here, you know, rejoice when these things happen to you. We can live differently because we have that hope. We stay ready looking to Jesus as, as an example on how to live our lives because we have that hope. So our temptations, our trials, our tests, our persecutions, we don't necessarily have to, to do what we used to do. 
We can now, because we're governed by a different standard, we're governed by the kingdom of God, we can now say, wait a minute, the righteousness that is in me can produce a different response. And we realize that we're in the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that's going to stand. Everything else is going to be pulled away. Everything else is going to fade away. He's going to come. He's going to reign. And if he's reigning in your hearts now, all you're going to do is just flow right in. Then we looked at verse 11. And we talked about how in verse 11, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So we looked at that word, we looked at that verse, and we noticed that in the other verses it was saying, blessed are they, blessed are they. And then this one it says, blessed are ye. So it was like, let me just make sure just in case you were thinking that this is for somebody else, no, it's for you. So you can put your name there. So Jesus is telling us what to expect and why to expect it. This is personal. And we looked at the word revile, and we saw that revile meant to denounce, insult. Reprimand, it's mock, it's mocking. It's words that are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander people. And we said that men, uh, people are going to insult you. People are going to slander you. They're going to falsely accuse you. They're going to say all these things about you that are not true. And guess what? You're still blessed because God has called you blessed. So when you're submitted to God, you're agreeing with him, you're obeying him, you'll be different from this world. You're going to stand out. You're going to be different. His light, his righteousness will be seen in you. So now he's going to be working in you and he's going to be working through you. You're going to be a living epistle that can be read by, by people. Those who don't want the righteous who don't want to see it, they don't want to come away from their sin, they don't want their sin to be exposed, they're not going to like this. So guess what? They don't want their rebellion to be shown, so they're going to persecute you. So we're not expecting to be accepted by the world, but we're going to continue in the things of God. Because the only assessment that matters is God's assessment. So we looked at it and we said we're, not, we're no longer part of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom. And the world hates the things of God. And we won't be moved away because of this. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. We're going to do what we were called to do. We may suffer some things in Christ, but it doesn't compare to what we've gained. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 3. So we may suffer persecution. People may say things about us. They may slander us, whether it's to our face, behind our backs, whatever. It may happen, but it, it, it doesn't stop us doing and being what God has called us to be. So Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the, on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So here it is. We have new life in Christ. So what we once had, 
We don't have that anymore. We have new life in Christ. So I can't get caught up with the things of this life. So what I'm telling you, don't persecution is coming. It is coming. God has told you. Jesus has told you. Persecution is coming. I can't get caught up with that. It is what it is. But I'm going to press on because my life is hid with him. So I can't, when these things come, I can't get caught up with what I think I have a right to do. But I have a right to talk back. I have a right to do this and I have a right to do that. I have to be caught up with the things of God. I have to be caught up with having a kingdom building mindset. That means that things that don't matter, I'm just letting it go. So when I focus on kingdom building, I can distinguish what is important from what is trivial. There are things that are going to happen that you may not like. Things that may happen, it may be people saying stuff about you. It may be people persecuting you, reviling you, insulting you. But guess what? It is what it is. Let it go. It's trivial. Because there are other things you have to do. There are things that God has called you to do. And you've got to keep your eye on that. You've got to keep your eye single so that you can do the work that God has called you to do. I can't get distracted trying to defend myself. You know, I see this all the time. And I'm like, you know, the word of God stands. The righteousness stands. Once you state it, you don't have to argue about it. You know what? I'm going to tell you... It's a lot of people, you get caught up with people, they say one thing, you say one thing, and what you may, what you may be saying, it is probably true, it is probably doctrinally sound, it is probably the word of God. But listen, you don't have to do all of that. You, you know what, some people just need to get off social media, because you're arguing, you're doing all these things, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to try to prove yourself right. God has made you righteous. You say what God said. If they don't take it, they don't take it. You don't throw your pearls before swine. And how you know if they all people want to argue back and forth, you're getting caught up and you think, well, I'm preaching the gospel to them. I'm preaching the gospel. No. When you're arguing back and forth, some people just want to argue. We heard about that. It's opposition. Some people just want to oppose you. And you've got to stay focused on kingdom building so you know Oh, that's just somebody that wants to oppose me. Well, amen. Thank you. And the thing about it is, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about people who are opposing or people who persecute uh, believers. As a believer, you, once again, you have got to set your affection on things above. Because you can't have issue with those people who persecute you. Our heart, we still have to have, we still have to have the character of what we've been looking at here in these Beatitudes for people who persecute you. Because you know what? You, we probably persecuted somebody else when we didn't want to hear the word of God. But you know what? They kept living the way God called them to live and we could see his goodness and therefore we could accept salvation. Because I, you think about Saul, with Paul when he was Saul. He was part of the group that stoned Stephen. Now, he went from persecutor to being persecuted. God, you know what? We we cannot get caught up. That's why I said you cannot get caught up with what you have a you think you have a right to do. You can't say, well, that person was mean to me, or that person is saying bad things about believers, and that's not right. It may not be right, but it, sometimes it's not your place. You have to keep your eyes single on the things of God. 
Some things just aren't worth your energy and your focus. You've got to keep your eye on God. Don't get caught up with the persecutors or with the revilers because they're trying to stop you from doing your kingdom work. In all of this, in the persecution, in the reviling, we have to conduct ourselves as citizens of the kingdom. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 1. We still have to have the character of a believer. That's what's expected of us. So Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. So when the suffering comes, when, when the persecution comes, our character can't change. We have to remember that we're not suffering for our sake. We're suffering for the sake of Christ, for righteousness' sake. And this, you know what? This is a high and holy honor. Christ suffered. He suffered persecution. And if he suffered persecution, what is it for me because of what he's done and because I'm living for him? What is it for me to suffer persecution? I'm willing to do that because I realize I'm not doing it in vain. I'm not doing it for something that's not life-changing. That's not life-giving. So, as a believer, persecution comes, but I keep the character that God has called me to keep. And I, I, I suffer. I suffer. Let's go over to, uh, back over to Matthew chapter 12. And we'll see. So, so, we suffer this persecution. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So, here we are. We're suffering this persecution. What we're con- we continue in the character of Christ. We don't, we, don't, we don't revile for revile. Somebody says something to us, we don't say it back. We continue in the character of Christ. And if we look at verse 12 here, it says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Exceeding glad. Not just glad, exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So, the response that we are to have... We keep our character and we rejoice. What? I know. What? Rejoice? So what does rejoice mean? Just in case. It means to be glad. Be delighted. So people are going to persecute you. They're going to revile you. Say all manner of evil against you falsely. For righteousness sake. For Christ's sake. Not because you did it, not because of your own will, not because of your sake, but for Christ's sake. And our response is rejoicing and be exceeding glad. Now, we're not being exceeding glad and rejoicing because we like these things. We like the persecution. We like the reviling. We like being uh, people saying things about us falsely. 
We're glad and delighted because God is working in and through us. We're glad and delighted because it's for his sake. It's for the kingdom. So when these things come, and notice that I, I did not say if, I said when. When these things come, and once again, this is not, you know, persecution. People are harassing you. They're saying bad things about you. They may be hurting you physically, mentally, whatever. Guess what? You're not going to feel sorry for yourself. No. You're not going to feel sorry for yourself. You're not going to try to get out of it. We're going to continue to live according to the kingdom standards. The thing about it is what got you there is going to get you through it. What I know my dad used to say, you dance with the one that brung you. That's what he said. He said, brung. Dance with the one that brung you. You, you, you're here because not because of you. Remember, this is persecution for Christ's sake, for righteousness' sake. So you don't jump out of righteousness. That stops the process. Now you are, cannot bear fruit. Remember, we looked at, at that, I think, the first week in this teaching. We, we don't want to let persecution um, stop the seed from working. So we stay in that. When we don't stay, we're staying in the kingdom. We're staying in what God has called us to do. Don't, we learn this, don't focus on the persecution. Don't focus on that. Focus on the work that God has called you to do. So we're not saying we like persecution. But just because it's persecution, persecution, no persecution. We're still going to do what God has called us to do. Called us to do. We're still going to obey Him. We're still going to submit to Him. We're going to do His will. Let's go over to Romans chapter eight. It doesn't change. Persecution doesn't change who we are in Christ. Persecution is temporary. So it's not going to change something that's eternal. So Romans chapter eight. We're going to look at verse 14 here. So Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So that's that great reward that we have. So we are children of God. We have his spirit. But guess what? We have his spirit, but his spirit must have us. So what do I mean that by that? It means that we are led by his spirit. His spirit, we are following what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. When the spirit has me, I can produce the character that is Christ-like. I can, I can when, I, when I am reviled, when I am persecuted, I can rejoice. I can produce the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit has me. It leaves me. So now I can produce the fruit of the Spirit. I can have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those things, those things can be in me. That's who I can be when I'm led by the Spirit. 
So if you take those things, those are in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Look over there in Matthew chapter 5 and just kind of just spend some time looking at those, those lists and see it's the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that the Spirit will produce in us. What Jesus is showing us here in Matthew chapter 5, he's showing us the standard. I think I said it every week. This is not something, once again, we don't have like the advanced version of the Christian class or the believer's class, and then we got the regular, and then you got the remedial. No, it's the standard. You can do this, not in and of yourself, but when you have faith in Christ and you are led by the Spirit. You couldn't meet the standard by yourself, but God created a a way for us to uh, meet the standard through Christ. So the only reason you're not doing it is because you're not responding appropriately. So when I'm led by the Spirit, I can rejoice when it looks like everything and everyone is against me. Because the thing about it, when I'm led by the Spirit, I, I believe in my heart. I'm trusting God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Remember, we have a different way of looking at things. When you're in the kingdom, you're governed by God's standard. He has dominion in your life. So our situation may look dark. It may look like there's no way this is, this is, this is not good. God, there's no way you can tell me that this is good. And God is saying, yes, it is. You may not like it. It may be uncomfortable. It may be painful. You may have been there and you think, God, I have been here five years and you told me to wait and I'm waiting and nothing is happening. And God is saying, but you keep living according to my standard. You keep letting me have dominion over your life and you're going to see I'm working all of this out for your good. That's the way as believers. See, I know we think about this and we say, oh, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm obeying. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But that's even in times especially what we're talking about here, in times of trouble, in times of persecution, in times of suffering, you still, God still has dominion. You can't, let, you can't let your circumstances, which are always subject to change, tell you what's really going on. Your circumstances are your circumstances. Your circumstances can maybe give you an idea of what you need to pray about. That's it. It's a name. We learned this a long, long time ago. You know, persecution is a name, but guess what? His name is above all names. So we're not going to sit here and get all caught up with these things. We're going to continue to press forward in the things of God because His Spirit is in us. Remember, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when these things come up, I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to stop. I can continue in what God has called me to do. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter four. Peter chapter four, and we've read this before, but we're just going to take a look at it again. First Peter chapter four. We're going to look at verses twelve through fourteen, and we're going to jump down to verse nineteen. So verse twelve says, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you." But rejoice. There it is again. I love this. He, Peter's like, hey, don't, don't think that you're the only one. Don't think this is out of the ordinary, that this trial is coming to try you. It's come before. It's not strange. It, it, it's commonplace. 
But, verse 13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So there's that word again, happy. Remember that's blessed in verse 14. So blessed, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, you're blessed. So verse 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So if you're suffering for the will of God, God, God's got you. You know what? He's going to take care of you. He's faithful. He, he's, he's there for you. He's not leaving you. That's the thing. We see sometimes persecution things come up against us and there's opposition that comes. And we think that God has left us. No, God has not left us. If you're in the will of God, God has not left you. So when we look at this, we can rejoice because we're being counted worthy to suffer for Christ. So, as believers, there are things that you need to always, when things come up, just go back to this. God is real. The Bible is true. Heaven is to be gained. Keep that in your mind and then you realize that there's no temporary or earthly trouble or persecution that can strip what lies ahead for us. The joy that lies ahead for us. So we can rejoice and we can be glad. And it's not fake. It's, it's not fake. It's not forced. Because we realize we have a hope. What we see now is not what is going to be. There is something else coming that is greater. And even in the trial, in the temptation, in the persecution, God is with you. He is faithful to keep you. So you don't have to fall all apart when these things happen. That's why it's coming to stop you from doing the will of God. So I can be confident in what Christ has done. And once again, the Spirit is in me. The Spirit is leading me. And when the Spirit is leading me, it's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So I can still have joy. I can still have peace. I can still be meek. I can still be temperate. I don't have to lose my character because these, are things, these things are happening to me because I'm being led by the Spirit. So circumstances might be tough. But guess what? You're in good company. It happened to Jesus. It happens to the prophets before. It said there in verse 12. So it happened to the prophets before you. So that was in Jesus' day. So there were prophets in the Old Testament. You look at Daniel. You look at Jeremiah. You look at these people. You look at, um, um, I believe, Nehemiah. You look at these people, and they were persecuted for righteousness' sake. Then Jesus was persecuted for righteousness' sake. So then you see the apostles were persecuted for righteousness' sake. And it goes on and on and on. So once again, First Peter told you here, don't think it's strange. This is common. Those who live for God are never going to be accepted by the world. So don't just, just get it out of your mind. Expect it. And you know what? It doesn't really matter if the world doesn't accept you because your joy and your peace come from God, not from the world. Let's go over to 2 Timothy um, chapter 1. So 2 Timothy chapter 1. So our joy and our peace, they come from God, not the world. So we don't, we don't really have to even get caught up with it. It's going to come. You'll recognize it. You'll see it. 
And it is what it is. But God is faithful. He's not going to change. So I can be assured that his goodness and his mercy towards me is not going to change. I don't have to worry about what's going on right now. I can continue with him. So we're looking at, um, let me get there, Second Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look, um, let's start at verse 7. Second Timothy chapter 1. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So you know what, we don't have to be ashamed of the testimony. We don't have to be ashamed of his testimony, of the gospel. We, can, we will be partakers of his affliction. So let's go ahead and to um, verse 9 here. It says, let's start at verse 8 so it reads better. But not, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the, the power of God. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So, that scripture is is packed with a whole lot of stuff. We're focusing on one thing and I'm going to try to stay on that. We're not ashamed or embarrassed to suffer persecution for Christ's sake because it's, it's Christ it, I like that last verse that I read um, he's a, uh, I've committed these things to, to him and he can keep me he can keep me we're sold out to the kingdom of heaven we're not sold out to what this world can do to us we are not we're sold out that means that we've invested everything we have everything that we have the air that we breathe is God's. So we're not worried about all these things. We're living for the kingdom's purpose, God's purpose. So all these other things that are going on, it's just noise. It's just background stuff. We focus on what God has called us to do. So we're called out. We're set apart for God's use so that his power is working in us and through us so that the world can see it. So we're not discouraged or afraid because we trust in God. No. Do we say that, hey, these things are not going to come up? Are we going to like them? No. But we're not discouraged. We're not afraid. We're not giving in to these things. We're not stopping because these things happen. We continue. We don't change our character. We don't get out of character. We don't give up. You know, it's just so important. Do not give up. When you think of it like, um, I don't have a lot of time to explain this, but listen, in a test, 
In a persecution, in persecution, in reviling, that is a test, that is a trial. There, there are two things that can happen. Either you can pass or you can fail. The only reason is that you fail is because you want to fail. God has given you everything that you need to pass. Now, is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. But nothing is, you know what? Failing is really easy because you don't have to try. But guess what? Persecution is going to come in your life regardless whether you're living for God or for not. Or not. Okay? You can get persecuted just because, I can get persecuted because people don't like my hair. But guess what? That is not persecution for Christ's sake. Now, you might be getting persecuted because people don't like your hair. You're going to keep that hairstyle. That's who I am. But as soon as somebody persecutes you for Christ's sake, you, you change. You drop out. And the thing about it is, your hair, your hair, whatever. You can get a wig. You can wear a cap. Nobody even know you have hair. But Christ's sake, when you're persecuted for Christ's sake, that brings something. That, that test produces something. And we're going to get to that in just a minute, what it produces. It produces something that's better. People see you standing for Christ. Just there were people in your life that you saw, you may not have known it, but they were standing for Christ in persecution, and it ministered to you. And if you had not seen those people do that, you wouldn't be saved today. So there are people who, who need you to stand so that they can see the goodness of God in and through your life. So don't get all caught up with all the things that are going on. Continue in God. So I'm not going to forsake who and what God has called me to do just because the world doesn't like it. You know what? Some people don't like that I'm a woman and I'm up here teaching. I'm not going to forsake what they, I'm not going to forsake what God has called me to be, who God has made me because they don't like it. You think I'm, I'm disappointing you. I'm fine with disappointing you. Let me tell you, it's fine. I disappoint people all the time. I'm used to it. But I'm not going to disappoint God. Don't let the world push you out of what God has called you to do. God, you know, I was thinking, I was, I go back, I'm looking at Next Gen, and I'm looking at you guys, and God has called you to do some things, and you are well on your way to doing them. But believe you me, persecution is coming. Do not let it push you off. Do not let it push you off. Because what God has called you to do, what he's given you the power to do, keep pressing towards it. People are not going to like it. But people don't like when their rebellion is seen. You keep pressing. It may be people you love that don't like it. It may be your family. But guess what? Be okay with that. Be okay with that. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter one page over, Second Timothy chapter 8. So I'm not going to forsake what God has called me to do because the world doesn't like it. Second Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 13. It says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evil evildoer even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. 
So, I like what Paul said. He said, I'm bound in here. But guess what? The word's not bound. The gospel's continuing. Paul said he's suffering these things so that people can have the gospel. So that he can be useful in the kingdom. So that the gospel can continue to be preached. We have to be useful in the kingdom. We have to be productive members. We just can't be productive when we think it's easy. We have to be useful and we have to be productive. When we live the gospel and we preach the gospel, we'll be persecuted. But we go through the persecution. We continue with God. And guess what? God will see people, people will see God working in us. And that's greater than any persecution. Because remember I said earlier, there are people that we've seen in our lives and we've seen them. We might not have known what was going on. People may, be, be a, may have been reviling them, falsely accusing them of things, but they continued in God. And their life is a testimony. They're in samples to us now, and God worked through them during that time, and they continued. The thing about it is we see those people and we say, wow, that's great, but God wants to do the same thing with you. He just doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to be participate in this. He wants you to be useful and productive in the kingdom. We, as believers, we're dead to ourselves. We're alive to Christ. We're dead to ourselves. We're really not worried about what anybody else can do to us because we're in Christ. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 3. So we are here, and, and you know, it, it's... it's it is what it is. There's persecution. These things are going to happen. There's suffering. There's trials. All these things are happening. And it may not be so great. It is not great. But guess what? Our reward is in heaven. So remember, the kingdom of heaven. It is now, but the fulfillment is to come. So the reward that we will get, it is to come. So we've got to go through all of these things. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep our mind on Christ. We've got to keep the standard of God. We've got to live according to his standard, under his dominion, in the persecution. We've got to keep the character. We've got to rejoice. And our reward is in heaven to come. So 1 Peter chapter 3. Excuse me. I keep saying it. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 3. We're going to start at verse 3. So 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it may be, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom, though ye now Though, though now ye see him not, yet believing, 
ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So, we have a reward, and that reward is, is not of this world. It's not, it's not a temporary reward. It's a reward, it's an inheritance, it's priceless, it's pure, it's undefiled, and it's beyond the reach of change and decay. So we have that inheritance that is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it's something that we're waiting on. And the thing about it is, until that time, God is keeping us. He's protecting us. Things will happen. We see it. Jesus told us things will happen, but guess what? God is going to keep you through it. Continue on. Keep the character of Christ. So it said here, I told you we were going to talk about the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith in verse 7. The trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Understand, your faith is going to be tried. But remember, it's a test. Pass the test. And it just makes things better. Things get stronger. So even though we have to endure some things, what that does is it purifies our faith. You know, when, when you take things, like we say go, if you, you put a lot of heat on it and you melt it, and all the impurities come up and you wipe those off. You get rid of those things. It purifies us. It pulls us deeper and deeper into the kingdom of God. Because now we, we built trust. We built patience. We have hope. And we realize, wait a minute, that thing, I, I made it through that. God was with me. He kept me. He showed me how to stay in his character. I trusted him. I was led by the Spirit. So guess what? I continue to do what he called me to do. So now I'm like, God, I can continue to do this. Something else comes up. I'm jumping on that with you, God, because I realize you're not going to leave me. What you said you were going to do, the work that you said that you're going to finish in me, you're faithful to complete that. So the more we endure, the more God is glorified in and through us. Understand, once again, your suffering is just not in vain. You're not just suffering to be suffering. God's not like that. So we have to remember our suffering is not unique. We saw it. The prophets before us, those who came before us, those who come after us, there will be suffering. People suffered before us, people are suffering now, and people will suffer later on. As believers, that's what it is. But guess what? God is going to be with us in and through it. We, we have his spirit living on the inside of us, and it will produce his character. We can rejoice in those things. So we should not allow opposition or persecution to allow us to stop and do, stop doing what God has called us to do. Stop being who God has called us to be. Stop producing the character of Christ. Because you know what? God has called us blessed. And if God has called us blessed, then his assessment is the only one that matters. Amen? I'm out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.